Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we continue our exciting bug adventures straight from the page of bug pulp comics. And again, always a disclaimer, this is the second part of a two-part series, so please go back and listen to our first episode if you haven't yet because you will be very confused talking about interdimensional bug travel if you haven't heard it already. Again, this was a setting that was submitted by our patron, uh, Lord of All Chris's. So a big thank you to helping us come up with this wild and interesting setting that uh, has, has gone quite off the rails quite quickly. Remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, Click on the link and submit the prompt that way. Just follow the instructions. It's fairly simple. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're over on at Let's World Build on the Twitter. If you want to, uh, I don't know, join our Discord, you can go ahead and do that with a link for that in the description. And if you want to be a patron like the Lord of All Chris's, and if you're feeling particularly generous or just want our sweet, sweet patron-only episodes, you can follow a link for that in the description as well and give us money. Now, on to today's episode. Uh, let me be. Let me be frank. I, I really wanted to do like a a fun 1930s announcer voice to do the intro, but oh boy, I just don't got the energy for that today. I'll tell you, I was I was gonna try. I was really gonna give the old college try, and it just did not work. So, um, imagine I did that whole intro, but in like I kind of sound like this, you know, like old timey radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not working for me today. <laughs> I believe you could do it though. I, I'm sure that I could if it weren't today. Mm-hmm. No, I know. I'm, I, just, I, mean, I believe that you could. <laughs> uh, so I, I would probably do it for the first bit, but I feel like it would just get very tedious after after a while. But um, yeah. Last we left off, we had just rolled some kind of a weirdo twist, which was literally now make it strange. No, stranger than that. Uh, how do we want to reconcile this with our world building anchor? Uh, we started off with Courtney last time. So Daniel, why don't you take it away from us and, and give us your thoughts about what you want to do to make this world even stranger than it already is. Um, I So I think one of the things I try to think about when, when we get a prompt like this about make things weirder um, is how do we change the expectations that we have in place? Um, and mm. right now, some of our expectations, um, I think that we're taking for granted are this, this distinction between human beings and bugs and what that looks like. Um, and also mm. like, you know, what that setting is. Cause in my mind currently, based on everything we've described, sure. The bugs realm has this 1930s like vibe to it. And we assume the humans realm is, as it as it would be for humans possibly in some near future so i thought you know one of the things we can do and this isn't a specific solution is totally change those settings so you know what if um the human setting isn't futuristic what if it's like a gothic horror Mm. or what if it's prehistoric fantasy you know Mm -hmm. and so then what happens naturally is the bug situation has to change to reflect theirs you know if it's supposed to be in the future of theirs 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also end up with different kinds of bugs that are more specific. Um, and you get much stranger stories. Like if, if the human situation is Ravenloft, <laughs> so then, yeah. you know, what the hell kind of bugs are we dealing with? Are they all like gothy, uh, praying mantises? And, <laughs> you know, are, are the villains not Nazis now, but like, we had their vampire nazis right so then maybe they're like you know like i don't know ghouls or ghosts or something or more strahd-esque you know dramatic melodramatic things i don't know but i feel like you'd have to upend some of the styling to to Mm. really give yourself something stranger interesting i really love that idea can we can we take every so so we kind of suggested in the last episode that it had a sliders vibe to it whenever the hero bugs would latch onto the people Mm-hmm. Can yeah. we have it be so like every place that they jump to is a potential for like maybe they're slipping in and out of time and throughout multiple dimensions as well. I know that this is a common trope for us, but I think that what it would allow for us to do is to have an adventure of the week type situation where one week you are mm-hmm. going to be facing off against courtesan vampire bug enemies and then the next you can be, you know, running for your life against prehistoric cave bugs, you know, like giant trilobites or something like that. And I think it very much fits in with the theme of like pulp action, but instead of like trying to figure out, well, this is the direct tone that we're doing. Like, no, we're going to mash up literally every pulp action hero and setting and just jam it in. Like, does that make sense? Is that something that's exciting that we can do? Because I think the fiction supports it currently. I do like that idea. Um, and I I almost think like it wouldn't even necessarily have to be jumping through time. It could still be all technically taking place in like whatever present day this is, but mm-hmm. because of whatever had caused this like apocalyptic event and like whatever had caused the humans to have this weird interdimensional phasing power, like what if that also kind of interrupted the earth itself and like brought back things from the past into mm. the present. So like um you know maybe New York City is modern but Boston has been pushed back to like the revolutionary war era like that sort of thing. So you're looking at a completely fractured earth in, in yeah. not just like spatially but like interdimensionally and and through time as well, right? Yeah, it was just like one way to look at it potentially. Mm. I'm not sure if I'm even like 100% sold on that idea, but I I do like in general the the concept of like adventure of the week going from place to place, genre to genre sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, I like that too. Um, if, I, if if only to avoid like our penchant for doing multiple universes. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah, just just lock it into the Earth itself. Like the Earth yeah. has like kind of gone through this wave of flux, mm-hmm. and like can represent all of these multiple kind of genres and subgenres within the larger pulp fiction, as it were. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can support that. I, I And I'm with Daniel, you know, like anything that helps us fight off the tropes that we normally associate with ourselves. Same. To be totally honest, Daniel, when you brought up the interdimensional phasing last episode, I was like, ah, again, really? <laughs> well, it wasn't interdimensional phasing. They're all in one space. <laughs> yeah. They, I was going for higher physical dimensions than what we have i guess because we often think about dimensions as being a place right mm-hmm, I gotcha. but that's just I gotcha. a misnomer from the way people think about science fiction 
I see. So like dimension as opposed to like plane of existence. Yeah. yeah. So like we always think of dimension meaning another plane of existence, yeah, right? Okay. But I, I mean it in the mathematical or physics sense, you. which is yeah. you're all in the same physical space in the same universe. Just one mm. of you has more dimensions of space to work with. So therefore you could move through space in ways that's unlike everyone else. Okay. Yeah, Daniel, you got to dumb that shit down for me because like, uh, like I I directly ignore a lot of that science for a reason. And it's because my brain just really doesn't have the capacity for it most of the time. I mean, that's why I think what we come up with is really neat because I don't remember whether it's you or, or Rob, but when you're talking about hitching a ride on the humans, if they're moving in more space, more physical dimensions of space than than the three that we have then that's their mechanism for like jumping vast distances right, I mean, right. to take a step back for those not super initiated in this sort of thinking. Thank the you. reason why I love this is because it, it came from a book. I mean, it was best explained to me in a book called hyperspace by Michio Kaku. Basically the idea is like the best example is a flatland, which I think we've given before. Um, but imagine a realm, you know, that is two dimensional. It's a sheet of paper. And everyone on that realm are little stick figures or circles or squares, right? So they can only move up and down and left and right. They can't go, they can't easily go like if there's a box and something inside the box, it's impossible for them to get inside of it, right? Because they're on a flat piece of paper. Does that make sense as a two-dimensional realm? So they have two dimensions of space mm. to work with. You've explained this to me before. Yes. And my brain is like, <laughs> that makes sense. And then it just uh -huh. slides out my ear canal the other side, you know? So hold on to that image, right? Okay. Now they're visited by Lord Sphere, who is a, a beach ball, right? And he's going to pass through their universe. Now, their universe is a piece of paper. So when he passes through the universe, all they're going to see is the circle shrinking and growing. Because that's the cross section of him passing through the paper. Right. It's it's like Paper Mario. Yeah. So if they hitch a ride onto that circle, they can go through things that mm -hmm. normally would be impassable for them. Right. 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 So that's the concept here. The humans are Lord's fear and the bugs are the people on the piece of paper. <laughs> So they're interdimensional beings. Got it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, going back, like, I think having a world that has experienced the flux, first of all, Daniel, thank you for explaining that yet again. Yes. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, but I think that we should go back to the, the whole, like, okay, every subgenre is mashed up and it's because this, as Courtney suggested, it's because the world was hit by a massive flux of something, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can support that. Um, Courtney, what was your reconciliation with Make It Strange No Stranger Than That? All right. Uh, so last episode, we talked about how the aphid milk is key for the bugs to initially become sentient. And I think we settled on them having like serve that purpose in the past and now they're sort of these elder oracle figures in the bug settlements and um, to make them more important in the present i was thinking what if the source of their oracle level knowledge is because their consciousness has expanded into a hive mind but that's not something that most of the bugs have really put together yet except for maybe our mosquito villains who are seeking out aphids to capture the, so they can gorge on the milk and gain access to the hive mind and basically become horrific mind player vampires. So I'm glad that you brought <laughs> up hive mind because that was also my reconciliation where I was going to suggest that 
a large population of the bugs, whether they be aphids or otherwise, are are essentially congregated into separate hive minds. And so these hero bugs that you might play as or, or focus on are the ones who are outside of that kind of hive mind. So you have real rebels and real folks who are outside of the, literally thinking outside of the box and the box in this case being a hive mind situation. Um, however, if we, if we take what you have and, and just pin it down to villains and aphids, I think that's kind of an interesting concept that we can roll with here. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and just in case someone came up with a hive mind, I do have a couple of bug facts, uh, that are really (laughs) strange that we can literally just toss in and be like, Hey, uh, we're considering these bugs to be human, but did you know that aphids are born pregnant? You know, like stuff like that. (laughs) Really? Oh yes. Yeah. I, I I did just a little bit of research and it turns out by the way, that dragonflies are fantastic uh, analogies for like biplanes. And they're actually probably a lot more mobile than biplanes that we used to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the point that we're talking about right now. We got to talk about uh, the hive mind situation that we've got going on here. Let's let's think about that a little bit more. Yeah, because part of it was that I wanted to, because um, Daniel had definitely wanted the aphids to be a bit more important. And that was also part of the the prompt from a patron. And, you know, we had made them definitely important in the past, but they were sort of like sacred cow-like figures like we had talked about in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wanted the the villains to have like a bit more of a threat to them, like if they're trying to gain this like weird telepathic psychic power that like adds another another level to them, I think. Right. They're trying to they're trying to absorb or consume the aphid hive mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Daniel, what do you think? Um, I think that's fine. We just need to add more, I think, um, fleshing out to how the aphids work. And that gives them a little bit more color, I think. Well, could could we use the aphids? I mean, because they're now a hive mind. Can we use them as kind of like a global telenetwork situation? So it's like if you need to make a phone call, you basically Mm -hmm. have a conversation with an aphid who's at the end of the end of the world. And like you're basically playing a, a literal game of telephone like the aphids like relaying what you're saying to it. I like that. Yeah. Cause I mean, when you think about it, like obviously bugs are minuscule little things. So it, this does allow us to sort of expand the setting in like a broader physical space so that we aren't super contained. And obviously they're, the bugs are still going to be jumping around using people, but oh, yeah. um, this allows for like more of a mass communication like yeah. civilization kind of feel. That might undermine um, the, uh, nature of discovery and adventure if um part of the point of the setting is to travel to unknown pieces if they can communicate with each other you know all over the world mm-hmm. i would say that there it's probably no different than like radio or you know mm-hmm. like something akin to a telephone you know where you're not always going to be with within uh and, and actually we can even go further and say that it's not always 100% or maybe there needs to be like a relay that happens. There could be interference. I mean, there's ways that we can make sure that there's still a great spirit of adventure while also having these aphids be, you know, a a telecommunication network, essentially. Yeah. And I think too, like the bug civilization is pretty spread out and and small um, Mm. in like population sense. Um, I don't. I think thought you meant physically small because well, they're insects. Yeah, yeah that too. But, uh, <laughs> but as like I, I'm picturing like 
they have like settlements here and there, but it's not like they're, you know, there are sentient bugs with aphid telephone systems all over the world. It's, right. They're like little like towns here and there. So there's still a lot of unexplored space. And, and it's my imagination that these aphids probably don't want to stray too far from like clusters of themselves mm-hmm. because like it makes them uncomfortable. So it's not like you can have like an aphid just walking around with you. You know, I feel like it has to be literally connected or hooked into the network in some way. That's significant, I mean. Mm -hmm. Daniel, does that kind of square the kind of trepidations you might have about this concept? Um, Yeah, I mean, as long as there's limitations on it. Like, I suppose you don't have um, those telephones in in places that are not known yet. Right. It's not cell phone technology. Like, you have to be within, like, I would say, like, a, a massive civilized, of insect civilization. Mm-hmm. Then it would make more sense that you could go someplace and then try and establish an outpost mm-hmm. and have yeah. those bugs there. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And that, that yeah. enhances the sense of um, exploration that we're trying to go for right. here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hit you with some more weird bug facts um, <laughs> that do. I think fit in with the setting. Uh, one of my favorite gross, horrible, but also appropriate things is um, there is the jade wasp, which does a weird type of surgery on cockroaches. Uh, So what it does, it actually injects the uh, cockroach with its eggs and then does some weird kind of surgery on the brain of the cockroach. So it will defend the eggs that are living inside of it to the death. And I was trying to relate this in terms of like, what would that look like from a pulp setting? And I'm like, that's a mad scientist with zombies. So I just want to toss that out there, that that's a thing that happens in the real world. Also, mm-hmm. it's horrifying and gross to watch. There are videos about it. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend it necessarily, but they do exist. Yeah, that, that is pretty horrifying. In general, there's a lot of like really disturbing shit that goes along in the animal kingdom. Yes. And, and especially with bugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so my, again, my reconciliation was also the hive mind thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like Courtney and I kind of blended those together. I think we're ready to move on to factions. How about you? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Fantastic. Okay. Daniel, why don't you hit us with your faction? Go ahead. Um, which, which one do we want? Let me see. You're Um, setting the tone here, sir. You're setting the tone. (laughs) Do we want the easy one or do we want the, I guess, less easy one? Normally, I would say hit me with the hard shit, but I don't know why. I think it's just general <laughs> low energy vibes today for me. But hit me with that easy shit today, Daniel. Give me give me the one out of 10 difficulty today. <laughs> well, I think obviously we need some kind of um, faction that is in charge of these uh, fighter pilots. That's like the heroic, um, you know, motley band of of bugs who get into their their i don't know what we said was dragonflies or something mm-hmm. <laughs> their yeah. dragonfly ships and fight the vampire nazi bugs or go out into the storm to find you know the next uh ravenloft landscape <laughs> or whatever you know uh-huh. um and encounter trouble and so that's an opportunity to have interesting teams um potentially the pcs could be those teams mm-hmm. um and colorful characters um and uh, generally a faction that we can trust as being part of the good guys okay so what's that faction what do we got in store 
Um, just a, it's a kind of organization that's like I'd like the Air Force, right? Like I don't know if it's mm. detached from whatever their civilization is formally. So like mm. I don't know if it's it is like the it is the Air Force, like literally it's part of their civilization, or if it's like mm. some third party group that's has been assembled in in a way that's not connected to an official capacity. But okay. it's it's that group basically that puts together these teams. So we've essentially got bug top gun. Yes. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I want to watch that volleyball. Stadium. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, this the the 1930s version of Star Fox. Okay. So here's here's the thing. I love this concept. I want both to exist and them to be rivals. So we can have the governmental force which I would I would assume is more aligned with like the Star Fox vibe that Daniel was looking for last episode. Mm-hmm. And then we can have the somewhat more mercenary uh group that is both more stuffy and less stuffy at the same time you know like we can have both that exist at the same time how do y'all feel about that like mavericks if you will oh my yeah (laughs) yeah i really like it okay cool so we can we can have both there's rivals um they both have their purposes and their functions you know i'm sure that they look at each other in different ways that's really fun yeah, maybe the the more like independent group is the one that takes on like dangerous missions that like nobody's ever attempted before kind of stuff, like mm. the risk taker types. I I'm imagining that the governmental agency is more like the RAF with like big mustaches <laughs> and just like stiff upper lip mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh except they don't have lips, so it's like stiff upper <laughs> carapace, I guess. Man- I don't mandible. I don't know. <laughs> oh, mandible. Yeah, there you mm. go. Although humans have mandibles too, don't they? Isn't that what it's called? I, I, the job? I guess technically, I, but yeah. <laughs> we're talking about bug mouths. <laughs> oh, yeah. The jaw or jawbone. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Just Googled it. Uh, oh, either half of the crushing organ in an anthropod's mouth parts. <laughs> That's the most disturbing dis- definition. It's lovely. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> mouth parts. Huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Daniel. Yeah, uh, we've we've got this these two rival organizations. Perhaps an idea here. Do you think that the the Air Force, the governmental agency, is perhaps more focused on fighting back the Nazi vampire bugs, and the other one is perhaps more interested in the exploration aspect? I could see um, that perhaps there are even elements inside this merchanting group or this this Maverick. It's called the Maverick Group that perhaps were once part of the government um, and they've just become disgruntled with their approach to combating the problem. And maybe part of their idea is there are things out there that will help us win this war, but Mm. they're not willing to take the risk to find those things and do those things. And Mm -hmm. so that's what we're doing. I'm getting a very inglorious bastards vibe. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. From, from the Mavericks. Something rebel. Mm -hmm. But I feel like they do have the training and the knowledge that the military group does have. Oh, 100. They're, they're the hot shots. They're like, right. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. They might be like the flunky who couldn't pass flight school, the traditional way, but they have like this knack that is just like undeniable, or it might be the disgruntled captain who quit in a huff or was, pushed out for doing something too risky with his team. And so mm-hmm. they've all, there are all these misfits have assembled, you know, because Absolutely. some background characters, like we're going to get you together and get this done. Like the little old Asian guy in, um, in, a the, what's a cyberpunk sci-fi series. I love, um, <laughs> fuck. 
<laughs> uh, I, I can't even see his name in my head, but I can't. It starts with an A, I think. Um, his last name starts with an M. Um, <laughs> it's the one with robots, and they, but people have fake brains, cyber brains. Ghost in the Shell, that's it. <laughs> I I was just like I I I don't know what you're talking yeah. about at all. Yeah, but yeah well, you okay. know the old guy. He's in charge of section whatever it is, and yes, you know, got to contain his people. Oh, I I do know what you're. I can picture him, but I have no idea what his mm-hmm. name is. I know what you're talking yeah. about. It starts with an A, and I think his last name starts with. An a. I'm gonna Google it. Okay. <laughs> while while you Google that, Daniel, I wanna I wanna chime in here and be like, yeah. I also think that what might be a fun way to kind of flesh that organization out is by uh, by pointing out that like the Royal Air Force version, like the the gov bugs, right? They're going to be well funded by the government itself, whereas this ragtag group is probably going to have to take on a couple of missions that are mm-hmm. perhaps yep. less than savory in order to make ends meet. They're playing I- shitty. They've had to bit make them. Their planes are shit, and they had to fix them themselves and make them good. Yes, among among other things, you know, like it's like, oh boy, uh, you could you could go like fully illegal, like we're drug smugglers for this week, or you could just make it like, oh, we've got to we've got to do escort duty for this rich person, or oh, this person wants like a, a demonstration of like the dangers of this that you know, like mm. maybe they're toting around a rich dilettante bug this week because they want to see what adventure is really like, but they're paying them so much money that they basically have to, or they could just do charters. Like, yeah, we'll drag you along on our bug helicopter or, or uh, dragonflies. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Daisuke Aramake. Aramaki is his name. Okay. Um, all right. So Courtney hit us with your faction. What do we got? So we've got not, not to pivot away so quickly, but Love the idea. I, I'm yeah, immediately getting a much more vibrant, like kind of look at this setting through mm-hmm. the lens of these two organizations. So Courtney, hit us up. Tell me what you want to do here. What do we got? What's your faction looking like? Uh, so I too had a couple of ideas for factions and my more uh, legitimate, serious one is tied to that theme of growth and regrowth that we talked about. Um, they'd be traveling gardeners, or to oh. steal a cool name from Risk of Rain 2, grove tenders, Hell yeah. who go around with seeds and pollen and fertilizer to gradually spread plant life and regrow this post-apocalyptic earth, and to also pull in the taming of larger creatures that we talked about last time. I'm picturing them domesticating big turtles and essentially terraforming the turtle shells into mini gardens that are constantly producing sprouts and stuff. That's great. So they're riding these giant like turtle gardens around, uh, transplanting like sprouts and seeds into the ground. I really love that, and I and mm-hmm. I I think in my head I see the majority of them being bees as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because you know you can't go wrong with a good bee yeah. gardener, right? They're perfect for pollination and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we have an overlapping faction, Courtney. Oh, yes, but please continue. Is that like your second more weird one or something? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. How is your okay? <laughs> well, now I'm curious. Now I feel like you have. Yeah, like now you gotta tell us, Daniel. You don't get to tease. You don't no, I don't want to take her like spotlight that. away. She has to continue exploring it. Oh god. <laughs> um, but yes, I I agree with they could be bees, or it could even be the opposite, where like bees are extinct for some reason. So these guys are like making up for the lack of bees by 
dragging around pollen and plants. Uh, it could go either way, I think. Hmm. I do like the idea that you're using larger animals as kind of like mobile forts and mobile yeah. like, like, oh, yeah, just hook it up to this animal and have them drag it along the ground and plant the <laughs> seeds behind them. You know, that type of thing. That's really fun. Could be a flying thing, too. Mm-hmm. Like some kind of large bird. Flying fortress of pollination. I was I was thinking birds might be too dangerous in this type of setting. You know, like they're, they're just like real quick and be like, oh, there goes a citizen. You know, like just the snap of your fingers. Like too erratic kind of. Yeah, I think there's a reason we haven't really domesticated birds very well. Yeah. You know? Or maybe maybe that's what some of the, the mavericks have done. Like a couple mm-hmm. of them have domesticated little birds that they fly Ooh. around. Ooh, they they fly hummingbirds. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's probably like really looked down at because it's like, oh boy, yeah. I mean, if the government has like specially licensed dragonflies for all their planes, maybe they the Mavericks have all sorts of different flying creatures that you shouldn't That's probably shouldn't cool. ride for various yeah. reasons. Oh boy, That's like getting that. real messy, but I'm kind of into it. I like <laughs> that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fun. I like that. Mm, agreed. And I think what might also be interesting is um, if we think about the idea of like domesticated animals, like there exist in this world, like domesticated animals from, you know, like humanity essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Is there a way that bugs could also semi domesticate something that's already been somewhat domesticated? Does that make sense? Like a cat or a dog? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I think that like having a dog when you're the size of an insect is like, wow, look at that. That thing is able to dig faster than we have ever thought about, mm-hmm. you know? I could see that being really useful. Mm. What do we think about that? I'm wondering how they would do it even. <sighs> yeah, I think that's where it gets kind of weird and strange and I'm okay with that, you know? Well, the purpose of these things is to, to I mean, other than the pilots, is to spread pollen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they can't be real, very large, these creatures that they do this. Well, it's well in Courtney's sense, but I'm I'm talking more broadly. Like if mm-hmm. we expand that concept of domesticating animals to like mm-hmm. a larger sense, like using a dog as an excavator, you know, just be like, all right, we need to build a new city. Like dig down like small dachshund or something, <laughs> you know. Uh, and and just to sway Courtney a little bit more on this concept, we could have corgis in there, mm. just tossing it out mm. there. <laughs> I'm convinced. All right. <laughs> or or if I were to sway Daniel, Shiba Inus. <laughs> I'm, I'm there too, yeah. <laughs> Are they robots? Half robot Shiba Inus? Because <laughs> then I would be convinced. You know what? Maybe that's how they domesticate it. They just, just <laughs> inject it with Chubba, robot chip parts. in there. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That's horrible. <laughs> well, oh, man. Yes. Anyway. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um. Courtney, do you feel like we've explored your your faction adequately here? Um, to an extent, I think we can probably like use them too to flesh out the whatever the anchor ends up being and then the mm. plot lines and stuff. But um, yeah, I just picture them as like these slow moving, lumbering turtles and tortoises with little gardens on their backs. I love that. Yeah, bugs are going along, like taking the sprouts off and planting them near the earth. Mm-hmm. And Daniel, do you want to come in now and and explain your weirdo <laughs> faction concept that you had in mind? You haven't done one yet, right? Yeah, but yours directly ties in with Courtney's oh, concept. So let's sure. knock that out while we're here. 
you know, before we move on to the next location, let's make the sidestep and see what's in the gift shop. So <laughs> hit, hit us with your gift shop idea, Daniel. I also have one that could potentially tie in with Daniel's uh, Mavericks, oh, okay. too. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, um, we're triple dipping here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was thinking about uh, solitary honeybees which are um, honeybees that are not part of a hive, but they're actually responsible for the vast majority of, I think, our food production. Like, mm. And um, they travel alone, essentially, and they have their own cache of honey. Mm. Um, and they're also very not violent. They're non, not aggressive. Um, and they, like, they're the ones that you make little bee houses for, basically. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking in this setting, perhaps they, these types of insects are very close to extinction. Um, and... They might be like with your, you know, your your flying fortress, ground fortress of pollination, um, mm -hmm. bee stuff. Maybe they're the shepherds on those those things, or they're the ones who, because they're all by themselves now, they have to really do a lot of work, and so they mm -hmm. need a, a means of doing that. Um, but they also probably have very guarded knowledge, you know, of the of the past or about what's necessary to be done. Um, there's a number of ways you could you could spin them. Like I could see. Um, What's that karate movie um, which has the actor who died because he was doing auto erotic? Um, David Carradine. Uh, so you're thinking of David Carradine. Yes. Yeah. What I mean, yes. are you thinking about Kung Fu the series? Is that what Very, you're thinking I'm of? thinking so like the role he played in, in it's Kung Fu, right? The series like. It's a he TV was, series. Yeah. Yeah. He was like a lone martial artist, right? Of, full of special knowledge. I there could were, see there were two of them. It was David uh -huh. Carradine and like his apprentice or something like that. Right. And they went around showing off how cool Kung Fu was. Yeah. Like a Mr. Miyagi kind of guy, you know, like I could see mm. the, the mm. solitary bee having this kind of uh, lost knowledge that's important, you know. I like the idea that this character goes around like giving knowledge to those who would seek it, you know. Where... <gasps> he could be in charge of the Mavericks. <laughs> oh, that's one of them. Yeah. Wait, mm -hmm. one of them. wait a minute. Wait. Mm, okay, sure. We'll we'll go with that. But I'm just thinking it's like, oh boy, that is a weird kind of ethos that that bug has, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I really like the mental image of this like fat honeybee chilling on the back of a tortoise, like with reins yep. in its hands, like guiding it along. Who's just too old for this shit at this point? <laughs> and there's like flowers and stuff sprouting on the turtle's back. Yeah, I like that. Exactly. Uh, I want a... Okay, if the bee is going to be leading the Mavericks. We have to have him be the most like cigar chomping, like so over this shit type of personality to exist. Like he's like, I, I want him to basically be um, Danny Glover from lethal weapon, but like <laughs> more crotchety somehow. I like it. <laughs> I think I like the idea that there are a bunch of these kinds of bees and they're all kind of doing their own separate thing. Like some mm -hmm. are like drove tender types. You've got the one with the Mavericks mm. and there's probably some others out there doing whatever. Yeah, that's what I saw too. There's a, and there's only so many and, and they're not necessarily aware of what they're all doing, mm -hmm. but they're really vitally important. They're just going around doing their own bee thing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So for my faction, um, I really wanted to evoke um, Casablanca and because it's one of the greatest movies of all time, obviously. Uh, but I should probably watch that at some point. You probably should. It's yeah, great. Probably. Um, you have a list longer than mine of movies that you yeah, need to watch for sure. Uh, but 
I love Casablanca because it is this great intersection of like peoples and cultures and like it is probably one of the best examples. And I'm stealing this from Matt Colville a little bit here, or maybe it wasn't Matt Colville. Maybe it was someone else, but I, I, whoever, anyway, it's one of the greatest ideas of like, you start in a tavern because you have like literal Nazis next to the French resistance next to like regular ass people. And everyone is kind of forced into this one small place. And what I'm getting at, is I want a faction that is similar. And, and I'm thinking along the lines of like, okay, we got Nazi vampire bugs. There's got to be some kind of like, we, we have to make them threatening in some way, right? So they've occupied some kind of bug station already. That's what's made them threatening. I'm thinking again, World War II, we're thinking like France and stuff like that. Mm. So I want my faction to be the equivalent of the French resistance where they are operating under the heel of the empire of the, the Nazi vampire bugs. And they are doing their damnedest to sabotage things to basically try and liberate themselves. And it comes through whisper networks, sabotage, and all sorts of cool, fun stuff that we can evoke the French resistance from because the French resistance were badass and not, not I, I genuinely feel like they don't get enough credit for all of the hard work and bloodshed that they kind of like put in. Yeah, I don't really know much about them, actually. That you should look into it because there's a lot of really, really cool stuff, mm-hmm. um, including this one woman who refused to put on a blindfold because she wanted to stare the people who were shooting her to death in the eyes as she died. She's a fucking hardcore badass. I can't remember her name. I apologize. But like to do a little bit more research in the French resistance, there's a lot of really cool, interesting, like harrowing tales that are going on in that time period. Who do you picture as being um, your bug resistance leader and what sort of bugs can we visualize um, to capture their styling? I really feel like we've gone very heavily into like ants last episode, right? So I'd like to move away from them. I actually didn't really have an idea of what kind of insect that we wanted to do for them. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm fond of like beetles and stuff like that, but I could also see it be something else. I'm I'm open to suggestions is what I'm trying to say here. Hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to think of a wily bug that's small and 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 unassuming, but actually quite dangerous. Like one of those um those ground wasps where. You, you're walking in the garden and they stab you and you're like, what the fuck? And then you look at your foot and there's literally blood coming out of it. <laughs> you know, like, and they're tiny and nothing. And you're like, uh-huh. where did this bastard go? That kind of thing. Because mm. usually wasps are villainized. I don't know if maybe yeah. something like that yeah. could be reclaimed. Or like yellow jackets to go along. Yeah. So you're like stepping on a nest and suddenly you're, you're swarmed by them. Mm. and the jackets could be it could be like if it's metaphorical it could literally be the yellow jackets they literally that's what i was thinking jackets, as well. like yeah. you'd have yeah literal yeah. jackets i think that's, that's be cool. fun yeah and then we could if we want to take it even further you can have like weapons made up of stingers and stuff like that that might be kind of interesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh maybe a way that the the vampire mosquito villains are like keeping the yellow jackets down is like they're breaking their stingers or like forcing oh, them yeah. to like file mm. them down so what the yellow jackets do to compensate is yeah use the broken stingers as weapons or like find like needles and stuff like that to use oh that is awesome that's fun i like that a lot i also like that this creates kind of a sort of 
um how do you say like regionality to the bug mm-hmm. species yeah. yeah like it's I, well, you could then populate the villains area with variations of wasps and and things that have stingers and you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. um fun fact another cool bug <laughs> fact for y'all i'm trying to sprinkle these throughout i appreciate that um centipedes despite their name can have anywhere between three and three hundred legs if they lose one of their legs to a predator, they can also regrow them the next time they molt. Yikes. That's so gross. <laughs> yeah, bugs are kind of gross, but yeah, you know, yeah. they're also kind of cool. So um if we're if we're doing bug stereotypes here, I want to point out that most of the time beetles are gonna be like big tough guys. So like they're the like hulking behemoths, and they're also like very heavy and heavily armored most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I would like that to continue as a trope because I think it's a fun trope to to kind of think about here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are our factions. We nailed down the reconciliation with the twist. Oh, before we move on, I could bring up my less serious idea that ties in with Daniel's Mavericks. Oh boy, yeah, go please go right ahead. Uh, so it's also related to animal taming. Uh, bug knights that ride on domesticated frog steeds so it's easier <laughs> easier for them to fight bigger monsters you've got like a herd of like frog knights hopping towards some giant evil sewer rat or something that was my oh uh, my god yeah frogs frogs are horrifying by the way <laughs> uh especially bullfrogs like they will eat an entire thing that if it like even if it's like bigger than themselves they will try and eat all of it at once they're horrifying mm-hmm. monsters mm-hmm. it's ridiculous and why not yeah, yeah I'm, well. I'm down with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know why I have the idea of like a Cervantes type bug. Uh, I'm sorry, a Don Quixote type bug. Oh who's God. just like yes. completely off his fucking rocker and just like <laughs> onward steed, you know, or something like that. That'd be fun. I like that. Yeah. So we've got our faction down. We got the reconciliation with the twist down. Let's go ahead and roll to see what kind of a world anchor we're dealing with here. So the theme of this world anchor is going to be. Oh, boy, how appropriate growth and expansion. Mm. Literally a deep theme that we're already rolling (laughs) with. So this is very appropriate. And then the thing that we're focusing on within this world building anchor is. Ooh, very interesting. A moment of defeat. Hmm. Doesn't say for who, but this is something that's very important. The theme surrounding it is growth and expansion. So, Courtney, why don't you get us started off here? Tell us what your current thoughts are about this type of thing. So, with the growth and expansion right away, I was thinking it's one of the grove tenders and their turtle gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then related to the moment of defeat, I wonder if it was like a really lush um, walking garden that somehow got taken down at some point, and now it's like a it's permanently situated in one spot of the world. Like the garden has kind of expanded out; it's growing, and it's something that's sought after as like an El Dorado Eden type place that has mm. all of these like maybe rare plants even that the bugs want to collect and find um, and spread elsewhere. So they're still trying to like hunt it down. So where's, where does the moment of the defeat kind of come in here? Yeah. Like if, if this grove tender bee and his tortoise garden at some point were attacked and taken down maybe by the, 
the vampire mosquitoes and that's how that's how like the shell of the tortoise became sort of the starting point of whatever this garden area is hmm i'm thinking if we're thinking of moments of defeat i'm thinking that this is the origin story of the mavericks that Mm. this defeat caused the mavericks to be like you know what this can't happen anymore we we have to stop ignoring the more important things that are going on and Uh, that's the origin of the the maverick bee leader he was a grove tender of this turtle and when when the turtle got taken down he like turned into this grizzled like bitter cynical guy and was like fuck it we gotta gotta take these nazi mosquitoes down (laughs) what happens when you turn a pacifist into a very aggressive bee yeah Mm -hmm. yeah oh man that's good that's good that's very good Daniel, what do you think? Anything you want to add? Any kind of twists or concepts you want to roll with here? I think um, this could also be expanded to not be one incident. Like mm. maybe that was the inciting or the precipitating incident. And these sort of attacks have happened a lot of places um, to a lot of mm. these bee tenders, reducing their number even more, mm-hmm. making the stakes even higher. And mm. so, you know, maybe that something like this happened among the, the French Oh, yellow jacket revolutionaries. Um, and so it points to a larger conspiracy or enemy, you know, being behind all this. Oh, we could, we can kind of mix the two together. So it's like, this is, uh, this is like the, the wasp version of the Maginot line kind of falling or something like that. There you go. That, that makes sense. I think we can do something like that. How does, how does that work for y'all? Yeah, I like that. It's it's kind of like the reason that the the wasp resistance rises up and also the creation of the Mavericks is because of a failure on the governmental bug organization's part to like protect things that they mm. think should have been protected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Making the government somehow complicit in all this would add mm. to the tension. Yeah, like they're kind of content to just like survive as is and like, you know, when somebody traveling gets taken down by the villains it's like oh damn too bad we couldn't do anything about that so the mavericks are like no we we really need to actually do something we can't keep letting our people die Mm. we can't keep letting like the turtles be taken over i think what might make more sense and it would make the villains a little bit more menacing is to just have the government be so overwhelmed that they have to make those really hard decisions mm. and the Mavericks just completely disagree with the decisions that they're making, you know? Mm-hmm. So that way it's not incompetence or it's not like maliciousness on the part of the government, but like we just don't have the resources. Like we just straight up don't have the resources. And in this particular case, it led to a devastating loss for the wasps and also for the the bee that we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and to kind of further that idea, right? Um when we think about like growth and expansion, that's typically it, it, the way that we've seen it in our world and from our perspective thus far is from a positive perspective. They're trying to regrow mm-hmm. a lot of the plant life. They're trying to basically recreate the world as it was and like repopulate it. Why don't we take that kind of concept and flip it and have it be growth and territorial expansion for Mm. this enemy faction and it's an aggressive move so like i mean that works out with the wasp resistance that we've created as well so it's in this case 
they're moving into this territory. They've taken over this territory. That's their growth and uh, expansion, you know, and we can now have it. So this force is now, or the side that we're rooting for is now on the back foot. Like we're, we're meeting Mm -hmm. this group of people as they're being overwhelmed, as they're at their lowest point. So we can then take that and be like, well, now we can have this really interesting conflict where there's real stakes and there's real danger of this entire good society collapsing. I like that take mm-hmm. of growth and expansion. I think that really squares it. Yeah. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I think that with everything that we've got going on here, I think that the best thing that we can do, I mean, we've already got the startings of a great kind of uh, main quest mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. Obviously I want to focus on the Mavericks here because they're basically kind of standing in for the main protagonist bugs. And we're, we're obviously looping in each of our factions as much as possible. Uh, we've got the wasp resistance. We've got uh, these kind of like grove tender bees and bugs that we've got going on here. Daniel, can you remind me what your faction was? Um, the honeybees and the Mavericks. Oh, right. So we've already established your, your factions as the protagonist. Yep. That's great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's, let's start there. I mean, what is, is, is the main quest line? I think simply put, it's the liberation of the wasp people, right? Or do we want to even go smaller scale than that? What do you think? I think it could be like an infiltration kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. maybe to bring in the, a grove tender, um, who still has his turtle garden. Like maybe the, the Mavericks use that as cover to get into the enemy territory and then go in and like yeah start freeing the wasps and yellow jackets or helping them kind of take back their land. Mm. Yeah, I think I think a small scale single operation that represents the beginning of their freedom yeah. would be great yeah. to open the setting up. Absolutely. Um if we wanted to really just crib all of Casablanca's work, we can have it be so there is a person an, an individual who has very important information about like maybe enemy positions or something like that. And then we have to infiltrate and then give that over to the resistance or something like that. That might be a good place to start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like Courtney said, we use the guise of these Grove tenders as a, as a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because we don't need to solve the whole conflict, but no, I I agree with you. I think it's more interesting this way, Daniel, for sure. Yeah. Cool. I, I think that's going to be good enough though, right? That's simple. It's quick and easy. We've already established everything. We've got a great thing. We just, bam, knock it out of the park right away, right? Yep. Yeah, that works. Do we want to add any complications here? Like, I think that that's the one thing that we need to like, maybe like, okay, let's toss in a hook for the villain. What's what's the complication from the villain side? Oh, I've, I've got it. Uh, one of their team members is a, a double agent. Of course. Ooh, You've yeah. got to have the double agent. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. It's like... That's stupid. Remember in the Matrix that guy was like, I love fake meat. Fuck you. Oh, Cypher? Yeah, him. of course. Yes. Yep. Oh, it's the worst. Everyone remembers <laughs> Cypher, Daniel. How could God you forget dick. Cypher? All those cool characters we never got to see do anything. That is actually, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Mm-hmm. That was the big tease. It's like, mm-hmm. oh boy, they just died. Whoops. Like Ivy. I'm like, what the fuck? She seemed really cool. I think her name was <laughs> Ivy. I don't know. Oh, man. Yep. Okay, Courtney, what do you want to add to this? Uh, Like we have we have the double agent. Let's add Mm -hmm. some complication or complexity to this double agent. What do you think? Mm -hmm. So what I had been thinking before Daniel brought up the double agent idea, which I do like a lot, was like a 
one of the Mavericks gets like captured by the enemy. And he beca- and they become the double agent. Oh, that could be yeah. So like the Mavericks go rescue him, not knowing that there he's we go. been turned. Yeah. Nice. That's yeah. that's like the pre-mission is that you have to go and rescue that person and mm-hmm. then they're yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. Yeah. Knocked it out. Uh <laughs> this has been a, a world of strange pulp bug fiction. This is fantastic. Uh really appreciate it. A big thank you to our patron. Lord of all Chris's very much appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Remember that if you want us to build your world, like we have with the Lord of all Chris's, you can go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, submit the prompt and we will build your world within a reasonable amount of time. If you want to follow us on social media, we are over on Twitter at let's world build. You can follow us there for, uh, you know, basic updates about stuff and things that I think are funny. If you want to come join our Discord and chat about noir bug stuff, you can do that by following a link for that in the description. If you want to give us money in your, or you know, if you're feeling particularly generous or you just want the sweet, sweet patron-only episodes, follow the link for that in the description. We knock those out every month and we always appreciate the support for the podcast. That will do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much. We're going to get through this together. Until next week. Bye.